0: Welcome, listeners, to another inspiring episode of the Health Form Zanzi podcast. I'm your host, Dornumdu, and today we have the privilege of diving into the captivating journey of a trailblazing psychologist who is changing lives and redefining success. Joining us is the incredible Sherlinka Naidu. A counselling psychologist based in Johannesburg, her story is not just one of professional accomplishments, but a narrative woven with challenges, perseverance, and a profound commitment to community well-being. As we explore Shalinka's journey, we learn about her unique name, derived from Sanskrit, meaning to inspire all that is positive in life. She candidly reveals the hurdles she's faced on her path to becoming a psychologist, emphasizing the transformative power of failure and the importance of interpreting it as a stepping stone towards fulfillment. Listening to her story was truly enlightening, and I sincerely hope it brings you as much joy as it did for me. Shirlinka, thank you so much for joining me here on Health Form Zamzi. It is such a pleasure. Well, welcome. How are you? Hi, Dawn. Thank you so much for having me. I'm doing well, thank you. We were just offline talking about your name, Shirlinka. It's the first time I've met someone with that name. What is the meaning behind it? we were kind of teasing about that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thanks so much for the question. It's a very unique name. I have also not met a fellow Shirlinka. The meaning is actually sanskrit and it means to inspire all that is positive in life and so it's quite appropriate for what i do as a psychologist but we were joking offline saying that it sounds very similar to sri lanka the country so i've had that sort of mispronunciation my whole life it's been a journey with the name in itself
0: (laughs) pretty awesome i think at least happy (laughs) to know the first Sri lanka in my lifetime happy to have that place in your life. Yeah. So you're a counseling psychologist and we'll get more into your work later but in the beginning I usually like to start with just you know about you the person, a bit about yourself, you know your upbringing, tell us more about your family, what was your early childhood like? Sure so obviously a South African born Indian. I was
1: raised in the wonderful city of Johannesburg um, with a very sort of close-knit family with lots of strong female leaders and sort of matriarchs in my family in terms of sort of what the early childhood looked like I was very active in sports quite athletic and that sort of continued right up until my trick so very energetic very curious little girl always would ask the question why 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 and I guess that's perhaps testament to even where I find myself today which is a very long academic journey to becoming a psychologist.
0: In terms of, you know, key experiences or moments from your past that really, you know, shaped who you are today, you spoke about the woman in your life then. Were there any practices and just thinking around life that they shared with you that really made you who you are today? I have a plethora to choose from. But,
1: you know, in my family, like my mom's sisters and stuff, my mom's sister is a business owner and she started a school I have another aunt who is a marine biologist who's been working with WWF as an environmental behavior change practitioner. My mom has been in corporate for over 28 years. And I think just being able to have conversations with them about what it means to be independent, driven, and I think maybe perhaps driven with purpose has been some of the biggest sort of contributions to my life that they have provided. Having the ability to have drive and sort of a vision, but I think to also put that into action was probably the biggest lessons from the woman in my life.
0: Now, besides your name and kind of linking that to your current passion, Riga, what else inspired you to become a psychologist? So firstly, thank you for your questions because they were very introspective. And it required me to sort
1: of dig deep in sort of understanding some of my choices after sort of accomplishing the dream of becoming a psychologist. As I left high school, it was clear that I wasn't going into sort of the top five. I call them the big five Indian professions, right? So engineering, doctor, lawyer, accounting, IT. I was never sort of fulfilled by that sort of work. And it was really a big toss-up between law and sort of the humanities aspect of psychology. And eventually decided that humanities and sort of giving back. My family has a strong community presence and value system that gives back to the community. And that's what I decided to sort of focus on as I started my university journey. And from there, it has been a whirlwind. You know, I wouldn't say that I was headstrong on becoming a psychologist. I really had to focus on what my values were and what fulfilled me as Lanka to be able to make a decision on a career path and choice. And that was my value for community. And that's essentially what inspired me to start the
0: journey to becoming a psychologist which is a really long and tedious one. For people aspiring to be in your position or follow this career path, what should you be considering? Just to give us some insights in terms of the journey in this field and industry. A lot of people underestimate the journey. So obviously you have to have your undergrad, which is
1: three years. If you're doing a Psych equivalent, then you're doing a four-year degree, which is inclusive of an honors program and some sort of practical element. I went through the University of Victoria. And then you have to get into an honors program. And getting into an honors program is highly, highly competitive. You're walking into classes in your third year with about, I would say, 500, 600, even 700 people. And in my honors class, it was probably 40 students, maybe just over. And so the competition in terms of the academic requirements is high. It's a highly competitive field. And then you embark on the extremely sort of difficult process of master's applications. And master's applications are based on math in terms of being able to qualify for the application, but it is so much more. It is consideration of your age, your background, your race, your experiences, your hardships, your personal journey with psychology and your mental health. So just to sort of put it into perspective, because we have such limited capacity to train psychologists at a master's level. So, for example, in my master's year, there were only six students in my psychology class. And I think there were about eight, perhaps, in the clinical psychology class. And so it's highly competitive. The pool for applications or for applicants is constantly growing because as students are coming through the pathways to apply for master's, there are already existing students who are still applying. And so it's an extremely tedious one. You have to have a lot of volunteer experience and motivate as to why you will hopefully become a master student and a psychologist, but then a custodian of our profession as well.
0: I think in part you answered my next question, which would be, you know, kind of lessons you've learned along the way in terms of how you would advise someone else kind of, you know, stepping into it or even considering it, giving some insight into your professional experiences. I see you have a bit of volunteer experience working in different areas, even at the SA Navy headquarters, SA Air Force, you know, headquarters. What are some of the, you know, your most significant achievements or projects that you're particularly proud of? You
1: know, it was a tough one because I thought to myself, how am I going to answer this question? And I think the biggest one is that I get to live my dream and be a psychologist. Other achievements that I'm super proud of which is things like being able to lecture at the age of 22. I lectured first year. That was a phenomenal experience on sort of being able to have the responsibility of being able to impart knowledge. That led to me being creative in lectures. Part of being an intern at the military, for example, which is where I got exposed to the South African Navy and the Air Force headquarters, which was massive for me. It diversified my experience. I think my volunteer experience up until the military was based on the student population, working with younger adults and perhaps not as diverse in terms of what I would be exposed to in private practice, and so for me, being an intern at the military was one of the biggest stepping stone. And the reason for that was because it diversified my clientele. I worked with couples, I worked with kids, I worked with some of our veterans. And so that really gave me firsthand experience in working with different populations, different age groups, but also sort of highly specialized within working with trauma as well. I guess the biggest <laughs> achievement is me being a psychologist and being able to sort of do what I do every day. But... In hindsight, I've come a really long way in terms of my volunteer experience and sort of how I've built myself up in terms of my nuances or areas of speciality within
0: That's amazing, Shalinka. I mean, I am getting goosebumps just thinking about this journey. So just from my side and also from Health from Zanzi's side, we commend you. Hats off to you. I didn't get into Masters on my first try. And I think
1: it's important that people recognize and that I even acknowledge that because it required me to fail and not get in on my first attempt at multiple universities. So what happened was I decided I'm going to do another honest degree in criminology. Took me a year. I worked in the intelligence industry for a year and then realized that "Mm -mm, I'm still not fulfilled. Come back to the humanity side of things and then reapply. And so I think failure becomes a part of the journey. It's how we choose to process and interpret and giving ourselves the space and time to determine what actually fulfills us, and then essentially going after it.
0: Yeah, that awareness in yourself is important for anyone to have. And thank you so much for sharing that with us as part of your story. Now, you know, besides um, not getting into the master's program at First Try, were there any other challenges and obstacles that you faced in your journey or career? And maybe you can just talk us through how did you overcome it? And what would you say to others okay. who might have those stumbling blocks and they think, ah. Oh, I really don't wanna do this anymore. You know, it's a fight here to time to time. Challenges and failure,
1: you know, we say this in our narratives. We say part of life and failing forward, but I think those in motion, those in actual experience are a lot more trying. They weigh a lot more than just being able to say it in conversation. So the first thing for me was a little bit of imposter syndrome going into my internship year as a part of my training because now I had the practical knowledge. Now I had the theoretical understanding of therapeutic modalities, and now I'm having to work with real people. This is not a case study. And so having to deal with a little bit of imposter syndrome and actually seek therapy and seek assistance in my own development to be able to confront those insecurities and work through them as opposed to avoid them has really been empowering. So I think the first one would probably be a little bit of imposter syndrome, And I guess the second challenge as I move into, or I'm now in private practice, is how do I do the business side? Because now I've developed the competencies in the psychology side of things where I do therapy and I'm able to work with clients and I'm confident in those capabilities, but now I'm running a business and now I'm having to think about marketing. So I guess that has been a big challenge and something that's helped me in that or coping with that challenge is understanding that there is a difference between working in your business versus working on your business. And working in the business for me is the therapy, you know, group supervision, touching base with colleagues, but working on my business is how do I market? How do I network effectively? How do I develop good, ethical and sustainable business practices to ensure that I'm able to do my best work within the therapeutic space? So those are probably the big two, which is sort of business and how do I do that as mental health Practitioner and professional, and also dealing with imposter syndrome quite
0: early on. Thanks so much for for sharing that and being so open about it. My next question would be specifically around specific individuals or mentors or role models that you know influenced your journey. Is there anyone that you'd like to specifically talk us through that? I think at the time I wouldn't have deemed them role models or mentors,
1: but it would probably be I had a lecturer, Nkateko Ndala Mahoro, who was amazing in identifying my potential and being really transparent with me and guiding me through processes, inviting me to be a part of her psychoeducation program, which is called Monday Ritseni. She's a psychologist, counseling psychologist in Victoria. So really just her, for example, I think at the time I perhaps didn't recognize it as mentorship or as a role model, but, you know, in hindsight, looking back, she really was able to nurture my self-worth and my confidence but also to push the boundaries. I'm not somebody who generally gravitates towards content creation or even just being in front of a camera. And she was able to sort of give me (laughs) gentle nudges and suggestions around, try it, prepare for it, see how it goes. And now I've done over, I think maybe six or seven videos with her. And that's been amazing. In general, there's been people in my life that I've surrounded myself with that have had the values and um, perhaps the characteristics that I aspired to. I was a part of a fantastic student society on campus with individuals who taught me so much about myself, but so much about the profession. So I think in many ways, there were professional mentors. There were student mentors who didn't realize that they were my mentors at the time, and I didn't realize either. And I think obviously the biggest one and probably the most cliche, but the most meaningful to me would be my mom. My mom has unconditionally supported me in my journey, in my failure, and essentially been the pillar of strength in reapplying for masters, starting a business, guidance. So I've been really blessed to have a couple, and again, females, (laughs) to assist in my development in the woman that I am today. Shout out to your
0: mama. That's a very big one for me. (laughs) I probably don't tell her enough. I love that. Shout out to all the people in your life. Really awesome to be able to chat to you. And we're nearing the end of you know our conversation for today. And I usually Mm -hmm. you know find out more about your aspirations for the future. You know, both personally and professionally. Where do you Mm -hmm. see yourself in the next five to ten years, inshallah? Professionally, it would be probably to complete my doctorate. I
1: would love to complete my doctorate, but I've made a promise to myself that I won't complete my doctorate until I have a clear project in mind with regards to what do I want to bring as a psychologist into the field of psychology. And so I think for me, I'm toying with the idea of like a sports program that has sort of wider reach than your one-on-one therapy. So the first would just be a PhD that has impact, that has community at its heart. How I determine what that topic is or what that area of focus is, well, <laughs> time will tell. So professionally a doctorate, I think personally to be able to sort of seek this work-life balance and hold space, not only for my clients, but to be able to do that sustainably well for myself, I think being a psychologist is one of the professions that actually have the highest level of burnout. And so I'm really looking at developing healthy and sustainable, even mindfulness around my own space and my own ability to do what I do for as long as I do, as well as I do.
0: Linka, thank you so much for your time. Um, I usually also just like to ask my guests to share a message okay. to their fellow healthcare professionals to be able to you know, just continue doing what you do day to day. The impact and the contributions all of you have is uh-huh. we do what we do to be able to celebrate our health heroes. In many spaces, we are necessary, but I also think in the context
1: of South Africa, we are essential. And I think it becomes important for us as custodians of our professions to try our best to make this accessible. I'm particularly referring to psychology, but I think in many ways to be able to ensure that our country and our people are able to access the power that is therapy, in my eyes. Holding the values really high in terms of what I think our country should stand for, which is being able to ground that in non-racialism, non-sexualism, and just be able to really embrace diversity. And I think walking the journey of mental health practitioners, or even just medical professionals, the journey is so worth it. And so I think for me, it's a big thank you to those that have come before me to remember and to remind our professionals that to start growing the talent that comes after us, because being able to start and and inspire sustainable practices, accessible practices for each of our professions is how we leave a legacy that leaves our country in a better state. It would be, thank you, keep going, <laughs> to summarize and
0: nurture, nurture, nurture. So how do we reach out to you, um, your business? Um, how do we contact you for people who might want to know more about what you do and, and your work in the healthcare sector? LinkedIn is probably the easiest way <laughs> to
1: get a hold of me. So Shalinka Naidoo would be a LinkedIn page. Um, I do have a website, shalinka dot psychology.com, which people could reach out to me on. And that has all my information with regards to like emails and WhatsApp numbers, business accounts. That would be the easiest way to get a hold of me. And, you know, sort of looking forward to possible further collaborations with you, Dawn, but with possible clients. I'm just really keen to sort of be a chaser and a seeker of opportunities. So thank you so much for this opportunity, Dawn. It has been fantastic.
0: As we wrap up this episode, I find myself inspired by Shalinka Naidu's forward-looking vision. Her dedication to maintaining a healthy work-life balance and advocating for sustainable practices in mental health is truly commendable. We hope her remarkable journey has left you inspired and eager for more uplifting stories in the healthcare sector. Our commitment is to bring you engaging narratives that highlight resilience, passion, and positive impact. Be sure to subscribe to the Health Form Zanzi podcast so you never miss an episode. Remember, you can also read more on Shrolinka's journey by visiting www.foodformzanzi.co.za. From me, Dor Numdu, our technical producer, Megan Fun Defense and the rest of the hashtag TeamFoodForMzanzi. Until next time, stay inspired.